Welcome to the first leadership edition of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Stefano Bini. Now, one of the ancient Greek maxims inscribed in the Temple of Apollo, know thyself, was considered by Socrates as the beginning of wisdom. Today, as then, wisdom remains an important attribute of great leaders. So for the next five episodes, we will explore the Enneagram, an occasionally controversial personality assessment tool that can help leaders gain wisdom by, well, knowing themselves. We will hear from Wendy Apple, author, consultant, executive coach, speaker, and all-around amazing person about the Enneagram and why it's a critical tool for leaders at any level of any organization. Enjoy. It takes years of study to become a doctor and then to become a leader in medicine as well. You kind of have to be intellectually curious. So many of our leaders are insightful and many of them are actually visionary. How does the Enneagram explain that, Wendy? Well, a lot of the Enneagram types five, six, and seven in the head center of the Enneagram are drawn to careers in medicine, not exclusively at all, but they're often drawn to medicine. And these types tend to rely on this head center of intelligence, which means they're intellectually curious and drawn to research. They tend to be analytical and they've got a plan for different eventualities, different things that might happen or looking at possibilities of what could happen. In addition, they often have trust issues. It's kind of core to what flavors or colors how they show up. So in this episode, my partners at Trilogy Effect and I discuss how each of these three types lead. And then we have some tips on building trust. Sounds very helpful to those five, six, and sevens to learn those tips, Wendy. Thank you for that and look forward to this episode. Hello, I'm your host, Sherry Lynn Starkey. I'm delighted to welcome you to our regular chat with the leadership experts at Trilogy Effect. In our last couple of episodes, we've been discussing the Enneagram instinctive and heart centers and how some Enneagram types tend to lead under fire. If you haven't yet had a chance, please do check out those episodes. Today, we're going to continue with our deep dive into Enneagram types and leadership, and we're going to be looking at the head center or the thinking center. Wendy Apple is a partner at Trilogy Effect. Wendy, Can you set the scene by describing the assets and the liabilities of this thinking center, the head center? Sure. So types five, six, and seven on the Enneagram make up the thinking center of the Enneagram. And all types think, but this is their center that is most relied on. And particularly when they are in fear, they go right up to their head. And the way that they do it is through researching, analyzing, planning, preparing, thinking, it just ways to alleviate their fear. And it's, a, it's both a, a gift and it's a, where they're challenged. But it is, it is a gift in many ways because one of the types is a great researcher. Well, they're all great researchers, actually. But one type really focuses on researching and coming up with multiple plans in case one plan fails. They've got backup plans. Others want, are, are experts. Others are synthesizers and bringing lots of information together and seeing systems and and weaving things together. So they're very gifted in all of this. However, their liability is a lot of this planning, preparing, thinking, analyzing, synthesizing, whatever, is because they don't trust. So one thing that they all have in common is they lack a trust in the fundamental, the universe, goodness of nature, a trust in themselves 
trust in others. So trust is really the, in, in all of its manifestations, uh, it's very hard for them to trust. So they try to plan, prepare, think their way through. And, and so you can imagine that in this COVID world we're living in, there's a lot of that going on right now for these types. What do I need to prepare for? How can I plan for this? Researching, reading about it, getting the facts, what's happening. Um, so a lot of head activity going on. So these are your types that, as I said, you know, really have a fundamental lack of trust in the basic goodness of the universe. And their fear-based fear, anxiety, worry is going on underneath the surface. And for each of them, that manifests in different ways. So the question is like, who or what can I trust is what is always at the forefront. That's a good summary. Well, let's, let's spend some time kind of taking a deep dive into each one of these Enneagram types. A trilogy effects managing partner, Heather Morass, uses the Enneagram for leadership development among a broad range of clients. Heather, please tell us about the Enneagram 5, also known as the investigator or the detached observer. Why are they called that? Well, the investigator points to how you could characterize what you would see their behavior to be. Um, the detached observer label points to a way they approach engaging with their world. They are deeply observant and they're brilliant at observation and making connections that sometimes others wouldn't see. And one of the reasons they have such brilliance about it is because they're able to detach emotionally, even physically, from what they're examining so that they can really take a look from multiple perspectives at what it is they're exploring and examining. Because as Wendy pointed to, the head center types are all looking for who or what can I trust in order to feel secure. They're looking for each of these types is trying to secure themselves and some sort of solidity in their life. What the type five wants to trust is what they know. They're trying to understand what it is this is that we're all in, <laughs> this world, this mystery that we seem to find ourselves arriving in. And some type fives will even tell you, they feel like they arrived from another planet. Like, what is this? And so they're deeply observant, they're deeply curious, and they're very focused on what it is they're examining. So if you can imagine, this is the little type five child who is sitting on the ground, they're maybe four years old, and they see a bunch of ants. And they start getting curious, what is going on with these little bugs? And they start watching how the ants start collecting food and colonizing and helping each other carry. And they just get really interested in what is this? This, this what is the structure of this little system? So they are masterful at taking the complex and turning it into an elegant kind of, I won't call it simple because that would be a disservice to them, but they can bring the complex into a very cogent, holding together theory of what's being observed. And so they really do bring about understanding and a kind of a, an innovative way of looking at things that is quite pioneering often. So these are the leaders who they don't need to worry about the conventional. They're looking for what hasn't been discovered yet. And often that's what takes them down the path. They're passionate about discovering what hasn't yet been discovered. So innovation, you know, like scientists and technology companies. Science, technology, very much oriented that way. So the gifts are this innovation and this amazing 
thinking capacity, really mm. intellectual. They tend, you know, they tend to be quite intellectual in their pursuits. They can master that level of complexity to a degree that most of us, A, may not have the aptitude for or the patience. They can be extremely patient in their pursuits and single-minded and detached. Did I mention detached? <laughs> so we're moving to the liabilities. <laughs> I happen to be married to a type five. Sometimes the type fives won't notice they're detached. They won't notice how detached they have become from whatever's going on around them in their pursuit of what they're trying to understand. So they can actually lose contact with the very people who they might be doing whatever it is they're doing on behalf of. And so as a leader, this is one of the key Achilles heels you see with the type five is that they are uh, universally loved and their people usually just love them for their brilliance and their innovative minds. And they're annoyed by the lack of contact they have with them because- This is just, a Bill Gates type then. You got it. Yeah. I would say so. You know, based on, again, observation, I would love to talk to Bill. He's never, you know, we've never made contact. <laughs> but if I could, I would be very curious about how, I mean, look at how he's shown up around COVID-19. Mm-hmm pioneering. He was talking about this years ago. Yes. If only if we had listened. So that's what you see around the type five. And they also will get frustrated with their own inability to figure out how to make contact in a way that you understand what they see. Mm-hmm. You know, some other struggle is, is communication because what they see is so clear to them that they get frustrated that you can't see it too. So it can lead to some communication mischief. Let's put it that way. And I just wanted to add what Heather was saying about the detached part and like detached from the very people that they're trying to be in service to is they also detach from their bodies. So sometimes people call the five kind of a a walking head um, because you can almost see the swirl in their heads as they're walking. You know, sometimes it also referred to as the absent-minded professor. And so one of the strategies for type five is to really become more embodied, to connect more physically. So what that can mean is literally putting your attention on, are your feet on the ground? Like feeling your thighs, putting your hands on your thighs, putting your hand on your belly, connecting in that way. Mm. And it can also mean go do something physical. Just get out of your head, do something physical, stop thinking, you know, go out. And it can also mean have an experience because fives are great at under, you know, like learning about history and all of that or learning about a particular country. But it's like, go visit that country. Obviously, in this current state, we can't do that. But it's like, go have the experience instead of understanding the experience. I think another good exemplar for type five is Mark Zuckerberg. Because, I was thinking the very same. Yeah. I mean, he was, when he was creating Facebook, he knew what it would useful for, but it was a fascinating intellectual pursuit for him. And it's also, it is a way of connecting without really connecting with people. (laughs) And so my guess would be he's probably one of our type five friends. So that brings us to Enneagram type six, the Loyal Skeptic Trilogy Effect Partner, Mary Beth Sawicki is here. Can you explain to us a little bit about these people? I will do my best because I will tell you that the type six is the most complex of our nine types. Sixes are incredibly dedicated, responsible, loyal. I mean, it's right in the name. Types, incredibly reliable. Heather spoke about what type five children are like. Type sixes are, you know, the children on the playground who are making sure that nobody is left behind. They're very team group community oriented. We're in this together. Other types are more Lone Ranger-ish, but not the type sixes. Very, um, they get a lot of 
pleasure in the cooperative? Like, what can we build together? Wendy mentioned earlier that there is one type of the three that's particularly oriented toward planning and researching. And our type sixes, this is a strong suit for them. You know, why would you just have one plan? Why would you just have plan A when you can have plan B, plan C, plan D as well? Because these folks are looking down the road toward where things can go wrong. And so they'll have contingency plans. And, you know, as discussed, this is, you know, this is the security center, the focus on security and sixes are seeking that not just for themselves, but for all of us. They really do want safety and security for all of us. Again, team, community types, orientation. I will say this is, you know, I don't know that I would see this in any of the writing about type sixes, but they're all so endearing and funny and that they tend to have this disarming way about them. Incredibly likable, just lovely people and leaders. Where they can get tripped up, even though they're in the head center, the thinking center, they can be the anxiety that's running the show sometimes can trip them up in this way. It doesn't mean that there's not a lot of thinking going on. There's often quite a bit. It can lead to a bit of analysis paralysis. What's missing can be clarity of thought. Mm -hmm. So lots of thinking going on, but not necessarily so clear. You know, they can be overly skeptical. So wondering what people's hidden motivations are, hidden agendas, like what's, you know, a little bit of the side eye, what's going on over there? What do they want from me? And the trust, really, the trust is a core issue for someone who's a type six. What can I trust? Who can I trust? Can I trust myself? Can I trust these four ladies on this podcast? You know, what what can I count on? What is solid ground for me? And that can, you know, again, lead to a bit of analysis paralysis and getting stuck. And they can appear to those of us who aren't type sixes as being a bit pessimistic because of this, because of, you know, a lot of the questioning. They can ask a lot of questions about things as they're trying to sort through. can point out a lot of potholes in the road ahead, which for those types that like to keep things moving forward, this can slow things down and can get, let's just say, annoying, right? Like it's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, And they can be seen as negative. I tend to think of them more as optimistic because they're trying to keep us from you know, running right into any of those potholes, trying to keep yes. everyone safe and secure and moving forward. And do you have an example of a, of a leader that we'd all know that uh, exemplifies this type? I would say Bruce Springsteen because I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, some people think that Nixon may have been a type six. Just the more sort of when sixes get pretty unhealthy, uh, they get quite paranoid. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that is like the lowest level, least healthy six skepticism moves into paranoia. I can't think of any public leader that comes to mind, but I certainly know we work with a lot of them in business. They are, because there's a hep, pardon me? Great in a crisis. Great in a crisis, extremely, because they're always thinking about what can go wrong. They tend to be quite strategic in their, you know, their approach to anything because they've thought everything through um, multiple ways. They also are characterized by this, you know, Mary Beth talked about how they are cooperative and collaborative. So they're oriented towards the collective. Because if I take care of something bigger than me, that's how I feel secure because it's then there for me to be secured by. And so that's just naturally something that a good leader is doing all the time, taking care of the the whole so Mm -hmm. that everybody is inside of it is, is being cared for. And so you see a lot of six leaders and they're very effective and usually very well loved because even when they're leading, there's a kind of reluctant leadership quality that they bring, which is humble. And people love that about them. 
They love that this isn't their leading because it has to be done and they will be responsible. So yeah, the word endearing is such a good word for the type six. That and contradictory. How so? They are studying contradictions. One of the, Mary Beth said it right at the start, they're hard to even express because while they are courageous, they're also paranoid and fearful. While they are optimistic, they're also pessimistic. And they are always looking at both sides of any spectrum as part of how they try and determine what to trust. Sounds like a journalist to me. I'll bet a lot of journalists. Yeah. Yeah. Reporter for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the courage it takes to go into some of the zones that maybe Anderson Cooper, I don't know, could be. Do you have any tips for someone who's a type six to help them develop as a leader? A few. Yeah. One would be Wendy had pointed to the questioning that type sixes tend to do of others, the pinging and getting Mm -hmm. others' opinions on things. Stop doing that. Acknowledge their own inner authority. Like just be, you know, with that initial thought themselves of what they think the appropriate next action is to take versus, you know, pinging three or four or five of their closest friends or colleagues. Another one would be, I'm going to recommend this for all of the types, but I think this is particularly crazy making for head center types is to have a practice to quiet the mind. So whether it's, you know, meditation, whether a lot of type sixes I know find it through exercising, but something that will help quiet mind. And then, you know, to look for the positive in situations, because again, so much of the focus is on where things could go wrong, but pay some attention to where things are really going right. That's great advice. So let's take it now to the final one in this, in this center, the Enneagram 7, also known as the enthusiast. So Wendy, tell us who are these leaders and what is it like for them to be a boss? Okay, I can speak from direct experience because I actually identify as type seven. And if you notice the furrow in my brow, I'm I'm doing a lot of thinking. And so I think a lot of head types have deeper furrows in their brows than other types. Um, So sevens, you know, the the last of the head center types are less, they, they don't appear as much of a head center type as the other two. Um, their anxiety and worry and fear gets channeled into action and novelty, um, doing something new and different, like taking a new, another course, a training course, you know, educating themselves, taking a trip. So they look kind of fun and exciting and enthusiastic. So it's like channeling all that fear and anxiety into forward motion, um, running away from any kind of feeling. So sevens are runners. Oh, yes. from the deeper feeling. So in this crisis, you know, I was working with a colleague, friend. I've been working with a lot of sevens, actually. And there is this like, you know, what, what thing could I do? What, you know, really keeping the stimulation going, you know, like making a plan for another trip they're going to take, even though who knows when, air, you know, you can get on an airplane again. But just having that positive thing to look forward to. So this is where the planning starts showing up as well, planning forward into the future. And usually they're kind of positive things that I could do or engage around in the future. So there is this sort of sevens are as, as leaders, they tend to be visionary because they're always out in the future. They tend to be out ahead of their skis often. Just jump in, I'll figure out how to swim types. So let's just try it on. Let's just take it on and I'll figure it out when I get in the water, which isn't a bad thing. It can be a bad thing. It has its pot, you know, as everything has, uh, it can work really well and then it cannot. So they tend to be very experiential and experimental. 
So they'll put the the uh, positive spin on things. So in a crisis like this, as long as it's realistic, realistic optimism, sevens are the optimists on the Enneagram. And so they will make lemonade out of lemons. They will see the silver linings. They will help people see the positive and lead to some future positive vision. And so that's a real asset of theirs. The liability, and I kind of touched on it a little bit, is they, they ignore their own pain and suffering and their own difficult feelings and their own sadness and whatever else and grief that they're going through. And they lose connection with their own heart and um, will also deny it in others because they don't want to be taken into, sucked into bad feeling, either their own pain. And so sometimes if you come to a seven leader and you're struggling and you want some love and care and support, the sevens can, well, but the good news is, and you hear, you will hear, it's one of the seven's favorite phrases. Yeah, but the good news is, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and so not to, you know, for sevens, a watch, it's a watch out, not to be too quick because sometimes people just need you to be with them mm-hmm. and in whatever they're going through. And then gently you can move them into sort of some positive view of the future and some positive action. But it can't come before that sort of really being at present with where people are at and not moving too quickly into the future. Sevens are very action oriented and that action takes them can take them away from how they're feeling. And so making sure that it's right action in the right time, in the right place. So what are some strategies to help them manage that, that the ability to stay in a moment and experience the feeling rather than running away? Pretty much what you said, stay in the moment, experience <laughs> the feeling and not run away. Um, noticing when it's happening, when you're just taking action and doing things to move away from how you're really feeling. And that trusting, because again, this trust is for the seven. Trust if you stay with those feelings, they will move through you. You're not, they're not going to get stuck in you. You're not going to be suffering forever. You, it will move through you. And because sevens are terrified of being trapped in this pain and, and suffering. So I think all of us have a seven in our lives that we're just reflecting right now, just saying that's so true. I can see you thinking. <laughs> it's so true. It's such good advice. So yeah. seven leader, I think, you know, at least he presents as this, and he certainly formed companies around it, is Richard Branson. Mm. Uh, you know, instead of having one company, he's got multiple companies because sevens don't like to be trapped. They don't like their freedom, their wings clipped. Mm. And and so they like to keep their options open. And so he formed, I don't know how many companies Richard Branson has. Mm. Right. And He's brilliant. I mean, sevens are head types, so they tend to be, you know, intellectuals because they're consumers of information. He um, tends to be pretty upbeat and he's been, and he tends, yeah, he tends to be pretty upbeat and positive and altruistic as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good description of him. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot of sevens in the private equity world. Mm. A lot of uh, very successful, often when they're young. Not always, but often, or maybe with inherited wealth. And it's just like a bit of a playground for them to be able to invest in startup ideas and innovation. And they love being able to get those sparks generated and see which ones grow. And, you know, it can sound like they're dabblers and sometimes skimming the surface of things, but that does them a disservice. Often they really are interested in what's going to grow. 
what's going to take off. And they love the idea of just innovating and what that provides to the world. So there's the altruism that comes into it, like Wendy has pointed out. The sevens tend to live in possibility. They see possibility. One thing that I wanted that I so appreciate about type seven leaders, first I'll just say they can be seen as focusing on acquiring things or experiences. And I think that is another thing that does sevens a bit of a disservice because one of the things I so appreciate about them is their gratitude for mm. everything, for the slightest little thing, for you know, finding one little wildflower on a hike. I'm looking at you, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to just life in general. I, we were, Wendy and I were just working with a team a couple of months ago and the leader of the team is, identifies as type seven. And he made sure when, that he acknowledged each person in the team and what he appreciated about them. And it was so authentic and so beautiful. And it's, you know, it stretched out over the three days that we were together, but this is something that's really beautiful about the type seven leader, human, you know, just it's this gratitude. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you, Wendy. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Mary Beth, for joining us today on the podcast. Also, thanks to all of you, our listeners out there. Wendy Apple, what an amazing five episodes you just took us through. And your team, thank you so much for the team at the, the Trilogy Effect. Yeah, thank you. It's been great being with you, Stefano, and being able to share this content with your audience and I'm hoping that they are now more even more curious to learn more about the Enneagram and find their own type and and take that journey take that journey it's right and also you mentioned at the top of the uh, top of the podcast that you know we learn about our preference our preferred styles but that we tend to I think you've mentioned the word slide or the verb slide from our preferred style to other styles based on situations and how we're feeling and what have you. And I think that there's so much more to be learned from this concept of the Enneagram. Where could we go to learn more about it, actually? Well, on our website, we've got several more podcasts uh, that uh, go a little deeper into the Enneagram, especially with a lot of our clients who talk about how they've used it in their organization, how it's affected their lives personally as leaders, and the success of their organization. So I think that would be particularly helpful. We have a blog on each of the nine types, which gives more content on each of the nine types that goes into different aspects than we've been able to talk about in these podcasts. And then I, you know, I have my book, The Inside Out Enneagram, The Game-Changing Guide for Leaders that you can find on Amazon. Where I found it. And when I go... Yeah, you can't hear the the, the pages. Yeah, right, it's, a, right. it's a phenomenal book, and I'm super excited to have it and to know that you're the author. It's exciting. Thanks. Yeah, so we have a newsletter that people can subscribe to where it's not just the Enneagram, but lots of information for leaders. And you can sign up for that on our website as well, www.trilogyeffect.com. Well, when I close out this special edition of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast brought to you by the Digital Orthopedics Conference San Francisco, DocSF, you can find us there at www.docsf.health. Follow us there. And uh, also, if you uh, listen to us on any of our podcast platforms, please like us, give us lots and lots of stars. We look forward to seeing you and bringing you more from the Digital Orthopedics Podcast series to help you in your journey as you move from analog to the digital world of healthcare. Mm-hmm.